You're listening to Solar Insiders, the fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers, with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, who provide innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Sunwiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. And Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Solar Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and the EV-focused The Driven website and One Step Off The Grid. And joining me after a well-deserved one-week holiday is Nigel Morris from Solar Analytics. Nigel, I trust you had a good break. Uh, I had a wonderful break, uh, Giles. Uh, we were actually supposed to be going away uh, to visit my daughter in Victoria. I uh, couldn't ah. do that. Um, so, um, and then uh, my two sons and my wife both got the flu. So we kind of went, oh, cripes. Um, so I just had a wonderful five days in the shed, tinkering with my bikes and, you know. Uh, <laughs> Nigel in the shed for five annoying. days. Oh, oh dear. Just, um, just, just a little point of clarification. Was this a garden variety flu? Was it? Was this the, um, was this the, the lurgy? Garden, garden variety. Luckily, uh, uh, we sent one of the kids off to have a test because he's grotty anyway, and uh, he came back uh, uh, with a with a with a negative test for COVID. So we all felt um, much happier about that, but everyone was sick except me. So you know, off to the shed you go. Um, yeah, off to the shed. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Perfect, really. And did 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 anything come out of the shed at the end of this week apart from you, or was it just like just it's just a bigger mess than it was when you got there? Oh no! It's a small steps, small steps. You know, I, I'm working on uh, working on all sorts of things. Lots of odd jobs around the house, and you know, you know, uh, yeah. So no, all good, mate. All good. Good stuff. Okay. Um, you're going to send me an email with all our subjects for today, and I haven't got it yet because um, that's um, thanks to my great uh, email inbox. I sometimes get things about a day late. Um, but anyway, I hope it's not a day late. But look, I just wanted to kick off today's conversation. Um, well, did you have a joke for us to start with? Well, <laughs> not a joke, but a, but a shout out to a listener uh, and and a true story actually. A solar insider, a solar insider walks into a the solar insider listener walked into a bar in North Narrabeen uh, a few days ago and said um, said to the manager of the bar there, "Hi, uh, look, this is this is a bit awkward." Um, and the bartender said, "Oh, I'm sorry. Why? What's wrong?" Um, solar insider listener said, "Well." Actually, I'm quite starstruck because I really, really love Solar Insiders. It's my favourite podcast, and I actually heard about your bar on the show. I live up the road, and so here I am. It's really weird. You must be Claire. <laughs> Is Nigel here? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and Claire said, oh, my God, Solar invades my life again. I can't even go to work and get away from it. Um, but I just wanted to give a big shout-out to Tom from up the road. Uh, I, I missed him, sadly, but, Tom, beer on me next time, mate. And uh, great to know that there's some local listeners. That is great. Look, I know that Claire's not going to be up for it, but I think you might suggest to her that they actually just, she just puts the episodes of Solar Insiders on loop at the bar. You know, that'll... that'll... Hey, there's an idea. <laughs> <laughs> I am actually, I am actually going to organise a uh, 
a solid do there. The numbers are going up now that uh, that that all you know New South Wales clubs, at least for the moment, um, can have. And uh, we had some wonderful times there over the weekend. Uh, bluegrass was back and uh, live music and stuff. But I'm I'm getting ready to organise a local community event just to talk about solo uh, with punters because there's been uh, there's always a lot of interest on. Facebook particularly on the Northern Beaches uh, group and um, so I figured it's time I organised something down there and we had something a little bit social perhaps in a month or so so uh, stay tuned for news on that. Live music, I am so jealous. I'm so starved of live music. I actually stayed for an hour oh. sitting in my car the other day down next to the beach listening to some guy play the ukulele so um, that's how desperate I was. Um, it's funny the things you miss, isn't it? And um there was a record turnout at Bluegrass. I think there was about 20 musicians there uh, on Sunday uh, for their r- first monthly gig. Um, and uh, everyone was just walking around with the biggest smile on their face. It's amazing. The small things, hey, yeah. that give us joy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mate, we better start talking about what's happening in solar. Should we Should we talk about well, solar? Look, it's been a little bit busy since you've been away, Nigel, and apologies to all our listeners for missing a week. But um um, we might come back next week as well because I've got a special interview which I've already got in the bag and I'll tell you more about that. I haven't even told Nigel Ooh. yet, actually. So um, anyway, look, last week, um, look, I guess the first thing was the latest stats to come out of Sunwiz, one of our sponsors, um, for the monthly month of June, the second best month ever, 237 megawatts and the um, the small um, commercial looking particularly strong um, between 70 and 100 kilowatt Kilowatts, um, New South Wales posting the biggest monthly install for any state of any month ever, um, something like about 65 or 67 megawatts, I think. So that's just absolutely roaring away. Um, Queensland and Victoria both are sharply. Um, South Australia and Western Australia pretty static, but kind of shows that at, at the small scale, at least, it's roaring along. Yeah, that's true. Uh, it's true, uh, and in fact, we can see that in our sales numbers at Solar Analytics. We've we've been really uh, delighted to see you know the level of interest and the level of activity out there in the market. So, yep, going strong, going strong. It's great. It's great. On the other hand, things in the bigger rooftop market, the um, the LGC market, as um, many of our listeners who are involved in that sector, not going so well. And um, look, in the last podcast, we 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 mentioned um, that we knew of uh, one company that was um, that was struggling, and so it came to pass that today, Solar. Um, after 14 years, filed for administration, um, voluntary administration last week. I mean, that um, that could involve some restructuring. Maybe they will emerge in some form. Um, but look, a very sad, very sad occasion um, um, for what has been one of, if not um, on occasions, the biggest installer of um, large-scale commercial solar in Australia, including, you know, longest of clients of um, property centres and uh, supermarkets and Telstra and, and others. Yeah, and and we, we kind of touched on this last week and mentioned the fact that, you know, obviously in particularly in commercial space, in the commercial space, it's it's really, really tricky. And uh, it would appear that, um, you know, the, the sharp start-stop nature um of of the impacts of COVID on commercial businesses in particular really impacted on uh, on that particular business and um, you know it's um, it's 
it's it's not easy, uh, that's for sure. And the bigger they are, the harder they fall. Yeah, look, it's um, it's it, it, look, it's quite sad because um, they're good people. Um, there's about seventy five employees affected. Um, we were actually hoping to have um, CEO Dunn Khan on the um, show. He he did actually agree to it. Um, to say pretty much what he told us last week. Um, on the on the website, but um, I think the administrators um, thought better of it, um, and we can understand why that might be the case. But look, what Denon said last week was that there was like, as you as you just mentioned, like so the COVID impact that brought a, an immediate halt to some of the larger scale installations. Um, it also caused um, one of their financing um, uh, things to to fall over, and um, that obviously put. A, um, um, made it difficult, but he also pointed to the one of the major problems in the um, in the industry, which is the cutthroat nature of the discounting and things like that. And um, look, I might actually just sort of read out what he told us last week for those who didn't sort of see it. You know, you know, um, there are some fundamental challenges in this space. He says probably the main one is that the margins to run these businesses are incredibly low. It is very very aggressive fierce competition and the industry is not doing itself any favours by being so aggressive. And if there's anything to learn from our position, we should project the margin margin position and protect the liability position. There are huge cost pressures out there and I sincerely and truly hope that we are the one and only victim, but change is needed. Um, that's probably a wow. fair... so telling. Up. So telling, isn't it, of the pressure that's out there? Well, that's right. And look, you know, it's fair to say that today solar has probably been as aggressive as the others, but I guess everyone's got to be aggressive once the industry is aggressive. It's very hard to sort of rise above that, but um, it is something very much for the industry to think about, don't you reckon? Oh, it is. It is. And, and, you know, margins and, and pressure go with the territory and our industry is as, as, as aggressive as any, Um, you know, there's, there's a usual swarm of, of, Facebook posts of you know ridiculously cheap systems where you just go oh my goodness this is just going nowhere and there's going to be no support and it's going to be really really hard and and of course everyone's tempted to compete so that they can get a sale and yeah so it's the it's the ongoing lament but you know like I said before the bigger they are the harder they fall and 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 so with those big companies particularly you really get smashed with this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, look, good luck with them and um, hopefully they can emerge from it in some form or another and they can find some sort of workaround or or whatever. We just um, we just don't really know yet and it's a bit too early to tell. Look, I tell you what, um, that was one of my most read stories last week. I tell you what the two most read stories are and they're both to do with rooftop solar. One was um, beautifully titled, I thought, um, will rooftop solar blow up your kettle? Um, no, but the network <laughs> might. And um, this... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> well, this actually goes back to Solar Analytics, one of our sponsors and, and your employer, Nigel. Um, they did a study. Um, well, they didn't do a study. University of New South Wales did a study using data from Solar Anal- Analytics. Mm-hmm. And it just sort of pointed to the one of the things that we do know is that rooftop solar is not the primary cause of voltage issues on the local network because they've been there um, a long time and they happen just as often, if not more often, at nighttime when solar cannot possibly be to blame. And um that Correct. was a nice thing to point out because the Energy Security Board, Kerry Schott, had written an, a, um, you know, she'd actually written an opinion piece in the AFR um, last year, sort of pointing to rooftop solar blowing up your kettle um, and the <laughs> risks of that and things like that. So it was quite, um, it was, um, it, it was quite ironic that the Energy Security Board should actually put on its, um, on its page a summary of the University of New South Wales research care of courtesy of the solar analytics data, which said that um, that's absolutely nonsense. 
And um, yes, there are voltage issues out there, but um, probably blame the network rather than the solar panels on your roof. Exactly, exactly. That was kind of the, the nuts and bolts of the whole thing was that there are bloody voltage problems all over the network. And it's only now that we can start to see that in incredible detail um, um, and increasing detail as more and more systems are installed that we're actually sharing a lot of that information to, you know, pressure the network managers and operators and everything else to, um, you know, get their house in order a bit. And it's a fine balance, you know. I give them, give them credit where credit's due, you know. Uh, the world is changing and some networks are thin and really susceptible to it, others not so much. Um, one, of the, one of the services we actually provide for a lot of people is uh, – uh, voltage uh, analysis on sites because, um, you know, where you've got a site that where the inverter's tripping out regularly because of a vo- over voltage or under voltage, um, we've actually got the ability to measure that in, in great detail and, and you know, uh, steer the network operators in the right direction in, in the case of local stuff. So, yeah, it's a big issue, but, um, you yeah, know, certainly um, solar is no more likely to blow up your kettle than um, your next door neighbour buying a, you know, 20 kilowatt air conditioner and slapping it on at uh, their will. Which is exactly the point of that article. But that leads us to the other one that drew a lot of attention. It's kind of related because, you know, while the ESB might have finally admitted that, um, you know, the voltage isn't the problem that we thought it was, at least regarding solar, um, you know, uh, rooftop solar is associated by a lot of networks with issues and more expenditure and the added costs and things like that. And, you um, this came from the energy, um, the Australian Energy Regulator in their annual State of the Market report, which was full of really interesting graphs, I've got to say. But, gee, the tone of the piece was just quite extraordinary. It was about 250 pages. But every time you hear coal, it's about how reliable and dependable and wonderful it is because it's synchronous and spinning turbines. And every time the wind and solar was mentioned, it was all about, oh, problems with the network, no frequency, no inertia, no system strength and stuff like that. It was really quite stunning. And included amongst all of this was trotting out the old thing about slapping a tariff, a tariff on exports um, from uh, rooftop, from solar households back into the grid, which is um, which is quite extraordinary um, that they're stupid. still considering that. Stupid. Well, it's stupid. Stupid is <laughs> the word that came to mind for me. <laughs> Look, that's a fair. That's that, 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 that's a fair call, and it was interesting to say. Analysis, look, yeah. Technical analysis, bloody stupid. Look, and that was pretty much the reaction that we got from um, from the people who read the article. And, and look, I've got to say, it's one of those articles that did go off because you know people are horrified by that um, um, example. One, because it's so unfair. Two, it just shows that gosh, sometimes you just wonder if we actually made any progress amongst the regulatory institutions, you know, over the understanding of what needs to be done. You know, we hear great progress sometimes on on, on some of the other developments that they're doing, and then you sort of hear something as regressive yep. as this, this, and you just go, oh, goodness sake, really? Do I have to bang my yep. head against the wall again? Yeah, no, you're right, Giles, and we, we spend an enormous amount of time trying to, you know, provide facts and data around this stuff um, to show where, you know, networks are strong and networks are weak, and, you know, there's there's a lot of talk um, that we've mentioned before, actually, about uh, limitations that are going to be put on systems in South Australia in particular, and they're worried about, you know, the resilience of the grid there, and, you know, yet you talk to other people in network companies and they say, actually, we need the power at various times of the year, so, you know, it's, it's we, we shouldn't be 
you know, throwing a 1920-style switch and just switching crap on and off um, just because uh, it, it's simple um, and it suits someone. Um, what we should be doing is leveraging all the smart capabilities that uh, so many systems have got. And, and, you know, as I said to someone who I was speaking to at the AEMO recently, you know, uh, it, was, it was about four or five years ago now that um, – uh, um, uh, DR requirements were inflicted on all inverters. So inverters have got all sorts of smart capability that the networks have already asked for years ago uh, that they're not using. Um, so to have them throwing more at us, um, you know, it's just another knee-jerk kind of reaction. It's stupid, Giles. Yeah, yeah. Look, on the more positive side, um, this week Western Power, which is the WA grid um, network owner, um, has announced that it's doing a deal with Schneider, um, an inverter supplier, on um, sort of developing um, systems for um, exactly what you were talking about, sort of orchestrating sort of just distributed energy and doing trials on that. And look, I mean, it, it might be sort of more fluff than actual detail um, because presumably they're going to be doing this with a whole bunch of different people. But it does show that at least in WA, which doesn't have to deal with, um, well, first of all, it doesn't have to deal with the Australian Energy Market Commission, so that's a major start. Um, so it can basically set the, the, the pace of its own market reform and things like that. And so they're actually taking quite a sensible attitude to rooftop solar where it is becoming an issue then and, and that's fair enough um, but they're doing some reasonably sensible things and just looking at how this can actually be seen as an asset rather than just a liability which you clamp down and you just throw more taxes on and things like that so um, mm. steps in the right it's direction in some parts it's great to see Schneider stepping up too. You know, they're they're an amazing, huge entity uh, and increasingly active in the solar space in Australia. Um, and, um, yeah, they've got extraordinary capabilities around the world. Not so much doing inverters anymore, by the way, small correction there, but lots and lots of tech and lots and lots of investment. And, um, yeah, really, really interested in what you can do to smarten lot people's lives up. And, you know, they've got lots of different technologies that they can do that with um, and seeing them move into this solar space uh, uh, more and more and more is really really cool. In fact, um, I've got I've got an interview up my sleeve with one of their uh, one of their top guys from the US, Giles. So we should uh, I should follow up on that and get uh, get him on soon. You should, you should, because I've got a US interview. I got in first. I've got a US interview oh. um, next week lined up for us. I did it this morning. I did it this morning. Oh. It's the um, yeah. Well, look, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about it because it's another thing that you might have missed while you were on holidays. Um, Origin Energy has been investing in a uh, US-based battery storage um, manufacturer called Orison. And the interesting thing about this one, yes, plug and play. So apparently, and then look, I've got to get my mind around this. Um, apparently, this is a battery which is designed. Um, you don't actually need installers and things like that. You just basically plug it in and off it goes. So um, how that gets around the standards people in Australia who want to, they want to build a big bunker and um, and nuclear fallout shelter for all the lithium ion batteries. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. But um, anyway, look, really this, interesting this came interview. Up in it, that came up in, in, in conversation with a couple of suppliers this week, actually, for me too, Giles, because, I mean, effectively, and I've got one under my desk here, it's a UPS, right? And, and Origins offer features a fairly small battery, um, and it's effectively like an off-the-shelf UPS with some smart firmware and software built in that allows it to optimise the solar. 
um, kind of like some of the like it's, it's like a cross between a UPS and a sort of smart solar battery, and uh, interesting to see Origin jumping in with a with a, a a little package like this, and you know companies innovating and and you know taking what's a essentially a commodity item, which is a little plug-in UPS. You know, I just plug mine into the PowerPoint, plug my loads into it, and if the grid goes out, it supports me. Uh, I can run my computer and my um, a few other bits and pieces, and so it's it's only a matter been only a matter of time before someone jumped into this space and adapted that technology so i look really look forward to that interview yeah well we've got it with eric clifton who's the ceo and founder of orison um, way out there in wyoming which i was told this morning is wild bill hickok territory so there you go um not much else i know about wyoming apart from the fact that it's at the entry of yellowstone national park but um look nigel we do digress that's something for next week and, and we can talk more about it then um what have you got an, on your little menu of things? Are we launching I've got, I've got into, some good solar um, news. I've got some good solar good news. Good solar news. Off yeah, you, yeah, yeah, off yeah. You go. Yeah, a couple of a couple, only small things, but you know these are really valuable things for solar businesses, um, uh, which can all help. And there's been a lot of emphasis, not only um, for, from lots of companies on over the last few months, particularly in trying to streamline business and working out ways to do to things digitally and how to integrate systems better. <clears throat> Excuse me. So one of the announcements that was made a week or so back was uh, Pylon Observer, who have um, a very cool little piece of design and engineering software, um, quoting software. It's sort of, you know, there's quite a few products like that out there, and we've talked about various different versions. But they announced a little update that allows you to pull data off a high-quality analytical solar metering product uh, and upload that into their software, uh, which allows you to use real high resolution uh, data and um, actually use that for design, which a lot of people really, really like. So, you know, a good integration between Pylon Observer and um, and Solar Analytics, of course. Um, Open Solar also plugging along out there. And there's, you know, like I say, I don't want to be favorites here. There's lots of good um, software out there. Open Solar have done a terrific job of creating a really nice quoting tool in particular, a little bit less engineering. Um, but they've also been pushing along quite nicely and ramping up what they're doing. And um, um, again, it's integration between suppliers who've got information they want to share with installers, making the job easier. So yeah, great to see. And, and in fact, I've visited a number of solar companies talking about exactly this topic, um, uh, about how they integrate various different bits of software and trying to, you know, trying to get it down to less bits of software in a business and more integration. So great to see mm. some uh, some back-end software really helping solar businesses and, and consumers. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Look, um, you're talking about open solar. just reminded me um, with a deal with SunWiz, we should just uh, take a brief break now to hear from one of our sponsors. SunWiz are Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's new partnership with OpenSolar will amplify the value delivered by a world-leading solar software platform. With personalised training and assistance, PV retailer benchmarking and individually tailored proposals, SunWiz will accelerate your solar business in the right direction. Unlock the wisdom of 10 years' experience assisting leading solar companies by visiting sunwiz.com.au. And um, I should just say um, thank you to all our sponsors, um, Clinergy Solar Analytics and um, SunWiz, um, for um, helping make this um, podcast. And um, and we do thank them. 
What other news have you got, um, got Nigel? So I got some. I got a few little crap solar stories. Um, and again, you know, the, mm. the bar is open, so a lot of my stories are coming from the bar now because you know I have to go down there and be a handyman, and you know I get paid in beer, so I sit there and I meet interesting people. And I was down there actually, and uh, chatting to a lady that I met first time, and uh, blah 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 solar, and she said, "Oh, we've just had a horrible solar experience. I've just." Just had my husband on the phone to me and blah, blah, blah. I said, oh, geez, what's happened? And she said, well, we bought solar. Sounded like a great idea. Went through the the sums and went, yep, let's do it. And um, first of all, they cancelled the visit four times on us, which was just infuriating and we were taking time off and, you know, being around. So that was just annoying. And then out of the blue, uh, a pallet of solar panels and some other electrical gear just arrived in their dri- driveway, was dumped in their driveway and sat there for two weeks. Um, so, you know, the, the logistics guys did their jib- job, uh, but it wasn't very well coordinated with the rest of the people involved. And, you know, that gear just sat in their driveway for two weeks, which is craziness. Finally, uh, they did turn up the day that I was um, uh, chatting to this lady, actually. Um, they got there, they sort of faffed around for a few hours was the way she described it. And then two of the three just took off uh, after a big argument. And there was one installer left. And um, he was sort of mucking around on the roof and the husband stuck his nose up as husbands are liable to do and said, where are you going to put him? And I told him where they were going to put them. And he said, you can't put them there. Uh, that roof won't hold the weight. You actually, I won't allow you to do that. They were going to put it on a fiberglass skylight. Uh, like like a, like a, it was a kind of a awning out the back of the building. And there was just no way it was going to be able to withstand the load. And it was only that the husband happened to get up there and said, no, 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 no. Put them up on the roof, up on the second floor story where we agreed originally um and the husband uh, ended up lifting most of the solar panels up and helping this installer do half the job because the other two guys had done the bolt um so she was you know livid and had a really horrible experience which was terrible to hear about so you know that's not good um i've got three in actually four in crap solar so another one um i don't know if you picked up on this giles but um company in or two companies in tasmania were recently fined twenty five thousand dollars after an audit uh, where they found 88 defective solar systems in tasmania uh the abc picked up on this story actually and did an interview and uh with one of the local safety and compliance guys who um, they didn't name the companies, but they were from the mainland. They weren't local companies. And they looks like they'd come through and sort of ploughed through a whole lot of jobs very, very quickly. What he described were fairly small things. They weren't major um, things that had been done wrong, but the small things add up. And so the small things are important. And so anyway, it was good to see the local regulator slapping these two companies from uh, the mainland with big fines and uh, demanding that they, um, uh, they fix what they did wrong. Uh, good. Yes, it is good. It is good. Um, in other news, uh, Giles, not so good. Um, and one of the big risks, of course, in our industry for the bulk of installers is roof falls. And it was very sad to hear about a 22-year-old solar installer who was very, very badly injured after going through a skylight on a shed uh, up on the central coast only a week or so back. 
Um, it, yep, it's it's happened over and over again. Skylights, are, are, you know, are, um, particularly the old fiberglass ones on old sheds and stuff, a horrible um, risk. Um, he went through it, fell five meters through the shed onto a concrete floor, and did a lot of lot of damage to himself. So um, we hope that he recovers quickly, and we hope that whoever was running that job has learned a lesson about roof safety. Um, so take care out there, guys. And, and watch out particularly for skylights. And then the last one, which kind of just highlighted, you know, the, the bottom end of our market, and this is the crap solar segment. I haven't talked about some of the crud recently, but um, a post on crap solar, our old favourite, Giles, where obviously the installer on a job recently ran out of, uh, ran out of clamps, uh, the aluminium clamps that are usually attached to a rail with a very secure, strong bolt to hold your solar panels down. Uh, they obviously ran out of clamps on this particular job, so they pulled out a zip tie and just zip tied the panel down, uh, which, of course, is not going to last. So, you know, these small details are the things. This is all about small details, really. This, the All four segments were, you know, uh, paying attention to details, uh, getting customer service right, um, making sure that you are compliant with the requirements and and um, doing the right thing and, of course, being safe. So be safe out there, guys, and, um, you know, take an extra take an extra half an hour and explain to your customer that you, the reason they should choose you is because you're going to make sure everyone's getting off that roof and going home to their, their uh, families in the evening. Uh, no, that's absolutely right, absolutely right. Um. The fact that you're picking up um, a couple of these tips at the bar, um, Nigel, suggesting maybe as well as piping podcasts through the um, audio system at the thing, maybe we should just have an open mic night down there um, about, you know, <laughs> solar stories. <laughs> it could be dangerous. It could be very, very dangerous. It could actually, be very dangerous. <laughs> actually, one of the fun things I did over uh, over the break, speaking of the club, was I put a couple of monitors down there. Um, uh, we've got a new kitchen in there, or a new, new restaurant in the kitchen, and uh, one of the things we finally got around to doing was whacking some monitoring on, which has been fascinating. I'm watching, you know, the cool room and the exhaust fans and the deep fries and uh, everything that it takes to make great Chinese food uh, uh, in, in intimate detail now. So... Um, yeah, it's um, it's interesting to look at a commercial venue like that and understand how much energy is just seeping away in the corners, you know. Mm, absolutely, yeah. In fact, look, um, while you were just speaking there, just um, I got an, I got an email from Solar Analytics and it's just actually looking at my consumption over the last um, over the last couple of weeks, and I'm just going, oh, yikes! Oh. I've had a few things switched on. <laughs> I've had a few things switched on. I better go and have a bit of a think about this. But um, so, something was on all last night, and I'm trying to work out what it was because I'm pretty sure I turned off the heater. But you oh, never know. Um, there you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Got to be careful. And what about EVs and batteries? But, um, I got there's some news in that space as well, mate. Off, off you go. Tell me what. Tell me everything. Tell well, me everything. Let's start with a lovely, lovely story. Let's start in the past. A glorious historic interview that I picked up on uh, from ABC, actually, where they're sort of reposting all this retro stuff. It was a TV interview, uh, beautiful, glorious black and white, from 1968, uh, interviewing a guy with his electric car. Uh, looked like a sort of a, you know, 60s version of a um, what did it look like a Morgan perhaps no not a Morgan I, I don't know my 68 English cars but it looked like a 1968 English car but it was fully electric um, interestingly 
Uh, this guy said, oh, no, electric motors have been around forever. You know, there was a big wave in the early 1900s, particularly in the US, where, um, you know, uh, Ford and various other companies were making electric versions of their buggies. And he said, so I got one of their motors because they're fantastic, made in 1904 and shoved it in a brand new 1968 car, threw some lead acid batteries in there and uh, built myself an EV. Um, and this guy was uh, you know, ch- uh, tootling around Sydney uh, with this uh, with this ABC journalist in it. It was just it was just lovely. And he said, "Oh, you know, where's the future?" And he said, "Oh, well, look, we're just waiting on battery breakthroughs. It's one or two years. Uh, batteries will, will there'll be a huge breakthrough in batteries, and then off we'll go." That was nineteen sixty eight, Charles. Fantastic. I'd love to um to to um um chat with this guy too for um for a story on the driven actually and um get him to tell about his um his, his own experiences. Um it was interesting to note that just last week AC Cobra, which is um Ooh, a brand yeah. I don't know much about, but it's a classic old um English sports car brand. In fact, I think it's the oldest English car brand. Um American, they're rolling out American, I think. They're rolling out an electric. Oh really? Yeah, well, oh, they were, it was big um, in America. Big in America. Oh, actually, with a name like AC Cobra, yeah. Anyway, anyway, but they're doing an electric version of their sort of classic, sort of early nineteen yes. sixties sports car. So, yeah, um, yeah. beautiful car, um, the AC Cobra. There you go. Yep. You might be lining up for one of those then, Nigel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there was—I mean, there was yep. a couple of posts this week actually about electric uh, motorcycle manufacturers. There's a great uh, mob, a new mob that I hadn't heard of before. They're a sort of custom high-end sports bike builder out of Italy. Um, they've taken zero motorcycles electric drivetrain and are fitting that into a very, very luscious-looking carbon fiber sports bike. Um, so you know, it's interesting to see electric motorcycle companies now popping up and using other companies' drivetrains and just planting them into their own chassis and stuff. So, you know, building building for a different segment of the market. So that was lovely to see. I was also blown away to see that um, some news on hydrogen fuel cell trucks uh, today. Hyundai has shipped the first 10 units of the Hyundai Exient fuel cell the world's first mass-produced fuel cell heavy-duty truck. Um, first shipment went off to Switzerland. They've apparently got a 400k range, 190 kilowatt hydrogen fuel cell system, which is bloody substantial, uh, with uh, with dual 95 kilowatt fuel cell stacks. There's no kilowatt hours in here, so I, they're, they're talking power, not uh, energy. But anyway, seven large hydrogen tanks uh, required on these trucks. Um, they store th- only 32 kilos of hydrogen, which is which is not much weight. Uh, it's in, quite astounding, in fact, 400 k's. takes about 8 to 20 minutes to refuel. So for, for a trucking company, obviously, you know, uh, refueling is a, is a critical issue and speed and everything else. Um, apparently, they've got an order to ship several hundred of these units over to um, a customer in Switzerland. And, um, you know, uh, great to see hydrogen fuel cell trucks finally um, being shipped in, in, you know, mass production. So that's exciting too. Well, great to see that as long as that hydrogen is produced by renewable energy, because if it's not, it's a complete another waste of time, um, and it would be even more emissions intensive than the diesel thing that um, it replaces, because it takes about three times as much energy to um, deliver the uh, the power to the um, to the motor via hydrogen as it does um, normally. So um, it just need, you need to make sure that um, that it's renewable. So um, as long as that's happening. I'm all for it. 
Yeah, indeed. And we could get into a vigorous debate, I'm sure, about, uh, well, we probably wouldn't debate it, about whether hydrogen fuel cell vehicles are ever going to make sense. But um, it, it, what is great and what I do celebrate is, um, you know, people pushing ahead and obviously investing a lot of company, a lot of money. Um, great to see a big company like Hyundai investing in this and learning some lessons in the real world. So um, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Well, they're pretty keen on um, hydrogen, actually. They've just delivered 20 hydrogen, um, is it uh, Nexo um, vehicles, um, to the ACT government. That was part of a deal with one of their um, wind um, wind power suppliers uh, in the ACT auction, getting to 100% renewables, and part of it was just sort of actually building an electrolyzer, um, which I think has been done by Siemens in the ACT, having 20 hydrogen cars and just sort of testing that out to see how it goes. And as you say, um, it's going to be really interesting to see who wins that contest between hydrogen and batteries. And right now I'm going on the batteries. And um, I think a lot of people agree because Tesla in the last week um, reaffirmed its place as the most valuable car company in the world, which if you think about it, it's pretty damn amazing. It produced about 365,000 cars last year. It's now got a market cap of about $320 billion Australian, which is a value that translates into just short of $1 million per car it produced last year, which is just astonishing. But it's all about the future. It's just overtaken Toyota, which, of course, has gone big into hybrid, and we've actually produced this lovely graph just showing Tesla sales and uh, Prius sales, um, you know, one going up and one going down. And, um, look, Toyota is doing selling quite a lot of hybrid cars now. I think 60% of their RAV4 and their um, and their Camry hybrids, um, Camry cars are, are, are hybrid versions. But that's, you know, to me, it's a bit like the fax machine, quite frankly. I mean, it's kind of convenient, it's useful, and people are attracted to it and um, and what have you. Um, but it's not going to it's not going to deliver the, the zero emissions that you need down the track. So, um, yeah, just fascinating to see Tesla, three hundred twenty odd billion dollars, most com- valuable car company in the world. Share price, three times share the price value. is growing. I saw again. You know, the share price has just had a had a, had a oh, slow, but well, up and down a bit. But it's 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 very very strong at the moment too. Yeah. And look, there's some promising things coming up for the Australian EV um, um, buyers. Uh, we're just about to have the launch of the MG in Australia and the electric Mini in Australia. In fact, they've actually got some um, test drives down in Melbourne next week, um, you know, um, oh, lockdown and, allowing. And, and if I'm not mistaken, you and, sent me a little note about Harley Davidson announcing uh, their plans to come to Australia as well, right? Uh, electric Harley Davidson. They got their act together now on their um, on the battery and they're recharging. So um, they're out now and taking orders in Australia. And then there's the Audi e-tron and there's the uh, Porsche. Of course, is is coming along. So um, yes, a few more options for um, Australian um, EV buyers. So that's good. Fabulous news. Fabulous news. Nigel, I think we're going to wrap it up there, mate. Um, fantastic. Welcome back from holidays. Um, back into the office um, this week. Um, sorry to drag you out of the shed, um, but um, you know it's been it's, it's been it's wonderful. been great. And look, it's been wonderful. And we'll be back again next week. We had a three week break this time. We're just going to one break, one week break before the next episode. One because I do want to get this interview with Orison out, and I'm sure that's going to be of interest to um, all our listeners. And um, we'll be back then. So thanks once again to all our sponsors: uh, Energy, Solar Analytics, and PV Cell from Sunwiz. And um, bye for now. 
Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy, the providers of high-quality mounting systems for residential, commercial and utility-scale solar projects. With in-house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's new partnership with OpenSolar will amplify the value delivered by their world-leading solar software platform. Run your business at maximum velocity with pro setup, training and assistance. Visit sunwiz.com.au. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy.